All right, welcome back, everybody, to another FCA podcast. I have my guests here with me again, um, Landon Brock and Lydia Ganey. Today we're going to be talking about Chapter 6 of Romans. And um, this is a really good chapter, especially for this week that we're in, um, about dying and raising with Christ. Um, Landon, if you will, go ahead and read Chapter 6 for us. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death also? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, now let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves as God, as to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves who to whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin, and having become slaves to God, you have your fruit to holiness, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, that's, I love chapter 6, how um, it goes from chapter 5 to chapter 6. We see in chapter 5 how it's about justification, you know, how how um, sin entered the world into one man, and in one man sin was um, defeated right through one man and then here we go from righteousness or from um not righteousness from justification to sanctification in a way where um it's saying do not continue in your sin you know so give me some thoughts of what y'all have there on that first part of that chapter many people get saved and they think that that just because they're saved god will forgive them so they can do whatever they want we need to go to the bible once we get saved because like that's something that I like I talked about in my testimony at Diamonds of Jubilee mm-hmm. when I got saved I just kept living the way I was after you know I get over mm-hmm. the high of it and we need we need to come to the Bible and figure out how it is we need to live and not not go through life with the thought process of oh well it's okay if I do that because God will save me anyways we need to try and be like Jesus mm-hmm. and not try and sin just because we well I uh, you know starting to in chapter 5, you know, like you said, it was talking about how we're justified through faith. And here in chapter 6, it's like, okay, but when you're justified through faith, you're saved because of what Jesus did. So here's the, what's next. Here's how you live your life based on the saving knowledge that you have now. So 
you know, there's a difference between the freedom from sin and the freedom to sin. You see, Jesus, when he sets us free, he doesn't, that's not the freedom to continue to live in our sin and do what we want to and say, oh, well, it's okay because I'll, I'll still go to heaven just because, you know. But Jesus, no, Jesus died and he took the price, took me, bore the weight of our sins and God's wrath so that we would have to live in that sin anymore. That's the whole point of the freedom is because our sin weighs us down and it's these chains that are on us. And Jesus, when he saves us, we're justified through that faith. We throw those chains off. That's the whole point of the freedom is to walk in that so that we don't have to live with the sin that leads to guilt and leads to. And eventually, if you keep living in the sin and the guilt, you'll just be right back where you started before you ever got saved. So, And, you know, we're slaves to sin. Um, when, when you continually do something, you know, you take a lot of addiction or, or um, like people who are addicted to porn, things like that. When you habitually continue to do things, you become a slave to it. You know, people think that following God's word is like being under some kind of slavery but it's not because you're you're free from the um depths of your depraved mind you're free from from that sin you're free to ask someone to forgive you for that sin you know when you come to jesus christ and you know this it's very important to paul because back in three on romans 3 8 he says why not say as some slanderous claim that we say let us do evil that good may result their condemnation is just. So it's important for him to get a point, the point across that what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning in order that grace may increase? No. No, you don't. We don't go on sinning so that people can see what good looks like through our bad, you know. Um, and we don't do what's right as some work to be saved. No, we do it because we are saved. We do it because of the grace. We do it because he did free us from our sin and our, our captivity in the world and, and, and it, what it makes you think. And, um, you know, he's trying to take us back to normal. You know what I mean? And through this whole thing here, he's, he's trying to tell us, you know, um, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Okay, so when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, all the sins of the world came upon him, you know, at one time. And he said, it is finished. You know, remember that point where he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Whenever um, he's quoting um, the psalm there, he's quoting David saying that because all the sins of the world is coming on him at one time. You know, we like to think about sometimes us being lonely. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But think about it. God could not even look upon Jesus at the point that he was sinning. So Jesus was alone, alone on that cross. God never leaves us, you know. So it's not the fact that we're um, not sinning or not trying to sin or that we're trying to sanctify ourselves each day because it saves us. No, we're doing it because of what Jesus did and what he paid for us on the cross. As you go on down there, um, do y'all have any more about 1 through 11 there? Where, you know, for if we have been united with him in a death like this, like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Um, you know, kind of kind of showing us, you know, to the end, it's just kind of pointing us to when Jesus comes back. You know what I mean? And um, we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to him. Um, when Jesus talks about his disciples, what does he say to them? You know, he says, whoever may come after me must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Right. And and whenever we have been risen with Christ, our old self should be dead. The way you used to do things. 
Now your thoughts, it may take a while for your thoughts to get wrapped around what Jesus wants you to do, which is why the discipleship process is so important for us to come along beside people. But um, so there in 11, it says, so you, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Does that mean we're perfect? Absolutely not. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but we should take each thought captive, right? Before we even do anything, it should be taken captive, captive by what we read. All right. So um, therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer pre present. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Talk about some more of y'all's thoughts as far as that goes down further. Um, what, what do y'all think about that whole, you know, no longer being under the dominion of, of sin, but um, no longer under the law because the law shows us our sin, but under grace. What are y'all's thoughts on that? I want to go a little further to um, verse 16. Yeah, go ahead. Do you not know what that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness. Mm -hmm. We need to figure out where our obedience is. Because mm -hmm. I always thought I wasn't obedient. Like, because when God told me to do something, I would give him reasons why I couldn't do it. Like with this verse, I realized maybe I was just being obedient to my sin instead of being obedient to God and going where my sin was leading me and we need to that another reason we need to go into the bible and like get more of it because mm -hmm. what's in your head is what you live out like what what you like read what you listen to what you think about those are the things that come out of you when you're going about your day so we need to make sure that we are putting good in so that good will come out and you know jesus even says in matthew uh his own mouth he says you know for where your treasure is your heart will be also mm -hmm. you know it's it's evident by the fruits and the way that your life the way that you live your life the things that you think the things you say the people that you surround yourself with it's evident who you're a slave to you don't have to tell anybody who you're a slave to it's pretty evident in the way that you live your life and paul you know he calls himself a bond servant of jesus christ right and talks about over and over how we're slaves to sin when we're in sin but he changes the wording he says bond servant to christ because it's not like he's forcing us to serve him. He gives us, that's a, I think that's one of the best things about it. He gives us the free will to choose to serve him because he loved us. He showed us his mercy. You know, we're not, it says that sin has no dominion under us. We're not under law, but under grace. And when you mm -hmm. receive that grace and you're under that, it's not like some kind of slavery, some form of you having to do something. You realize how much God loves you and you want to serve him with everything in you. And so I think it's, uh, it's a good, it's a real contrast there between, you know, slave and bondservant. Like you were saying, people want to say that we're slaves to this word and we're being forced mm -hmm. to do something, having to live by some strict set of rules, but we're not perfect. And I think that God never knew that we couldn't be. And so that's why he sent Jesus, you know, you know, um, a lot of people will answer, why did Jesus come? And they'll say, well, to save us from hell, you know, and then, or people will say, um, to, to send us to heaven, you know, but Jesus came to defeat sin. Jesus came to defeat sin. He came to be able to cleanse us of our unrighteousness and our sinfulness. Um, sin is why Jesus came, you know. Um, now, the result of us accepting him is not going to hell and going to heaven. Um, 
You know, that's a product of what happens whenever we accept Jesus Christ in our heart. But that's not the main reason or purpose that Jesus came. Jesus came because it was sin. You know, like it said in verse 5, or not in verse 5, but in chapter 5 there, talking about um, he's like the second Adam. They said the only difference is Adam, through Adam came sin, and through him comes the defeat of sin. You know, and I, I'm glad, Lydia, that you, you know, the whole, you brought up the verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? I mean, think about that. Let's, if you really, let's, if we really think about it and we look at our lives and we look around and we look at the world, you're either a slave to the world or you're a slave to Jesus, you know, because you can't be one or the other. You know, um, Luke 11, 23 says you are either with me or you are against me. There's literally no fence to straddle there. You're either with me or you're against me. You know, and 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 it's going to be evident as to who you obey. It's going to be evident as to who you follow. It's going to be evident as to what whose disciple you are. Are you a disciple of the world or are you a disciple of Christ? Um, <clears throat> Y'all have any more thoughts on that before we go down to verse 20? Yeah, um, your friends are going to be a big part of who you follow. One of my, the hardest thing I've ever had to do is let go of the friends who are tearing me down and pulling me away from God. And I'm even, I'm still dealing with that now because I have these friends that I've had in middle school that I want to hold on to because like, I really enjoy hanging out with them. But the things that they do sometimes make me really uncomfortable, but I'm too ashamed Mm -hmm. to say Turn that music off, please. Let's listen to something else. Or quit quit saying that around me because I, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. But the thing is, I've said it so many times. They should know by now. But I keep putting myself in those situations. Mm-hmm. I keep bringing myself back to those people who will tear me down. And it doesn't really matter what I say because they're going to do it anyways. But here's a thing that... <sighs> made me upset with myself we me and some of my friends went to a a baseball game and we got back in the car and she said hey you choose you choose one of the songs and i was like oh you don't want to listen to my music all my music is christian music you don't want to listen to that Mm. where i should have gone and found some really cool song that she would have wanted to listen to and then later found out that it was a christian song because of the words that it was saying Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing i I kind of set myself up for failure there. Well, uh, I think such a such a great point you made there about friends being important because talking about being slaves to sin and talking about being a slave to whatever it is that you obey, and we can easily make our friends or the people that we hang around are we can be slaves to them just as easy as we can some sin, mm-hmm. you know. And speaking from personal experience, if you're somebody who has a group of friends who is not saved or does not live through the Bible and honor God. Sometimes isolation is the best thing for you to do, not to try to get your life right with God, but still be hanging around with these people and doing the things that they're doing and sitting by and listening because you're getting on the side. You might be by yourself and you might be trying to get right with God being in his word. But then over here, you're getting your head's getting filled with the same things that it's been getting filled with. So it's like they're bound to see, you can't you can't have both. You can't serve like Jesus says, you can't serve money and you can't serve me at the same time. Right. So. From personal experience, I say the best thing for that is sometimes isolation. Just isolate yourself from those people. Is it hard? It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. Mm-hmm. But part of that is faith. We talk about how, how important faith is. Part of that is when you isolate yourself and you commit yourself to growing closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you have to trust him that 
when you get to that point to be ready, that he will provide you with good, godly Christian people to be around. And then when you get to that point, you can go back to those people that you used to be friends with, and you can go and minister to them because now instead of them dragging you down, you can pull them up and show them Jesus. Um, sometimes we get scared to go to our friends or what we call our friends because we don't want to hurt their feelings and we're scared that they're going to leave us. But the point of you going to them is for that reason, so mm-hmm. that you can get away from them or help them out. Because there was a friend that I had that I had to, I, I knew I had to talk to, but I was so scared to do it because I didn't know how she was going to take it. And finally got the courage up to do it. I asked her to come over to the house um, after school that day, and she ended up getting saved. So we need to realize that it could go, it could go one way. They could totally like go away from you and go straight to the world, or they could come to God through you or not through you, but like with your help. And so just think about that. You're going to have to do it either way. You're going to have to talk to them. So just try and share the gospel as you're trying to help you mm-hmm. get closer to God. You know, that's a good point. And, and you, you both made great points um, because it is so hard for us to confront our friends, right? It's, it, you know, when we're in our house sometimes and we're sitting there reading our Bible, it's good to get, you know, pumped up, you know, and you get pumped up and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to give everybody Jesus today. You know what I mean? I'm going to give everybody Jesus. And then you, you get in front of them and they even may be Christian friends. You know, this isn't just talking about, you know, cultural Christianity is, is, is horrible, especially in small towns, the South. People will believe that they are Christian, but they will say, why do you keep bringing up the Bible all the time? Okay, you know, but and then this is, you know, that comes with the whole, you know, like my shirt here says, you know, Romans 116, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. But sometimes you're right, too, Landon. You're right. Sometimes in order for you to get stronger, sometimes you have to get in that time of isolation to where you're away from them. But when you do come out, you have to tell them, especially your brothers in Christ, that, hey, this is wrong. Um, Galatians 6, 1. It says, my friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. So when we're when we're going around, you know, and and we should always be gentle with this, right? Even with our friends, we should be gentle with them and all that. But the thing is, where he says there, he says, beware, right? Be aware. Make sure you do not, don't, don't deceive yourself because if you get in that crowd and you don't say something or you don't do something, you yourself will be tempted. You know, so we have to, we have to love them enough. We have to know that we have broken the bonds of the slavery to sin enough to also want them to no longer be slaves of the world as well. And as we go further there you know, verse 20, I'll go from verse 20 all the way down to 23. But it says, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you now are ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage to you gets its satisfaction or sanctification. The end is eternal life for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, 
Well, we know verse 23 is part of the Romans road, right? You know, for the wages of sin and death is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But if you go up further and it tells you, you know, um, the wages of sin is death. One, because you're a slave to it. Okay. You cannot serve two masters, right? You cannot serve two masters. If you are a slave to the world and what it does and what it wants you to do, you cannot be serving Jesus Christ at the same time. You can't, you can't do it. And um, sometimes we, as Christians, like to say, well, I'm saved and I'm under grace. You know, so I'll just confess my sin and keep on rocking. You know, what do y'all, what do y'all think about that? I know we've talked, I mean, the whole, this whole chapter is a pretty much repetitiveness of how we are slaves to sin and how Jesus Christ has raised us out of the sin to be, um, slaves to righteousness. But, um, that last part, what, what's some things that y'all have to say about that? I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to your personal choice. You know, Paul does a great job of laying everything out and he's saying, you know, everything you want to be a slave to sin, then okay. And he says, even verse 20 right there, or sorry, verse 21, it says, you know, for the end of those things is death. Verse 23, the wages of sin is death, right? But on the other side, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's always been a choice. Jesus, Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14, right? The narrow way, the broad way. It's always been a very clear choice. The Bible never makes it complicated to, as to what your choices are. It's clearly serve the world, serve sin, or serve Jesus. Be saved, right? And I, I just, sometimes, you know, it's hard for me to understand, uh, the mentality of people who openly reject the gospel and openly reject Jesus, because I think what is, what is the appeal? Oh, I mean, what's not the appeal of eternal life, you know, having your sins forgiven and being free. How do you not want to accept that? And how do you not want to live in that? Because, you know, talking about not being slaves to sin, it's like whenever, whenever you get saved and you come to that relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not like some, some deep thing to where, you just like, oh, I just, I just, I can't believe I don't, I don't want to sin today. You know, no, it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to do those things because you're too focused on trying to serve him because of what he did for mm-hmm. you, you know? And I just, sometimes it just baffles me at the people who just say, you know, I don't want no part of that, but they have no clue what it really entails because the freedom from sin, I mean, when sin holds you down, that is the biggest form of oppression. And I mean, just like, it's pretty deep whenever sin holds you down and it affects your whole life and it Jesus can set you free from that. To me, it just it baffles me that people don't want that. Mm-hmm. You cannot let sin have control over you. You need to have control over your sin. So many times we think that I I need to read my Bible today, but let me finish watching this TikTok real fast and then I'll get back to it. And then guess what happens? You stay on for another three hours and then you have to go to bed. (laughs) So make sure that you're not letting these things take control over your life. This is something that I deal with, with like, like being on my phone or like doing schoolwork or whatever it is that I'm going through. Honestly, these things do nothing but like stress me out because I can be on my phone and I'm like, oh, I should be doing this. Or when I'm doing my schoolwork, I'm stressed about my schoolwork, you know? We need to take time out of our day or set time aside. We need to we need to build our schedule around God, not put God around our schedule. You know, um, <clears throat> and that that's that is very true, Lydia and and Landon. Very good points to Landon. Um, that death that it talks about. Um, it's funny because the word 
it can be used for two different things, you know, um, thanatos, um, which is, you know, primarily for the physical death, right? It's primarily talking about physical death, but also a spiritual death and damnation. You know, our eternal life talks about one eternal life. You know, we know that our sins, um, some of our sins can cause death. You know, say we're with a friend. Say you're at a, with a friend at a party. They've drank. You haven't. They get in the car. They drive off. They get in a wreck. Because of the sin, because of they got in there drunk, because they did not obey the law of the land, because they did not even heed to what you said, right? Caused the physical death. And if they're not right with the God at that point in time, also causes a spiritual death. This death is real and serious. It's so, so real and so serious that we should want to give people this life, this eternal life every single day. I mean, it's amazing to think for the wages of sin is death, a physical death, possibly, and a spiritual death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life. You can't live longer than eternal life. It's forever. You know, you can't outlive that. Death's not going to come once you get an eternal life. You have it for forever. You're with God. It cannot be taken away from you. But this perishable life on this earth can be taken. It can be taken in, a, in an instant. And... To think that God freely gives us this gift. And all we have to do is accept Jesus, confess and repent of our sins and turn away. You know, and, and turn to Him. A turning of that repentance to God to live as He would want you to do daily. Um, so y'all have any closing um, notes or anything? Well, you know, talking about going back up to, uh, I just, I was reading it as you were talking and it kind of hit me, you know. Going back up to verse 19 right here, mm -hmm. and Paul goes on, and he's talking about the weakness of our flesh. And he talks about the importance at the bottom of that verse is presenting yourself as members as slaves of righteousness. The importance of, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the presentation of yourself as someone who is a slave to the word of God. Because our actions, our words, the way we carry ourselves every day, whether we want to think about it or not, is what can lead someone to turn away from Jesus Christ or someone to salvation in Jesus Christ. You don't even have to say a word, but you can do, be doing leading somebody to Jesus Christ. And I want to say one more thing about encouragement here. We keep talking about not being slaves to sin and, you know, following God's word and following Jesus. And the encouragement here is that if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that you don't have to fight sin alone. The whole point of salvation is freedom from sin. I I turn back to Acts here in chapter 1, where uh, Jesus is about to ascend up into heaven. And he's in verse, uh, verse 8 here, he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to, to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you accept Jesus Christ in your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, you immediately have everything you need to not be a slave to sin anymore. And that's what, you know, personal experience and from for all people who are in uh, have believers in Jesus Christ. You know, we all struggle with sin. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're not gonna you're not gonna sin. It doesn't mean you're not gonna struggle with the same sin, you know? We all eventually are slaves to something in our lives and our, our focus gets taken off of God because we're human. Like Paul says, our flesh is weak. That's who we are. But 
the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to overcome those temptations. Jesus was able to overcome, so therefore we are able to overcome. And I think that, you know, going through this whole chapter, that should be an encouragement to anybody who's listening and who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus is that you don't have to fight alone. You know, and that's so, um, it's so amazing to know that you don't have to fight alone. You do not have to fight alone. You know, um, I was reminded of a section there in Jeremiah chapter seven, where, um, he says, he says, behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you still murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal and go after other gods that you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say we are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. You know, when we think about it, we think back in the Old Testament, stuff like that. Um, they, I mean, even in Jesus' day and even leading up to our day, it's all about who or whose you are. You know, and whose you are will be noticed by the things and the things that you say and do and how you act and react to people. You know, because I say there's two things, you know, that you show Jesus. One, how you act and also how you react to people. How do you react to their sin? How do you react whenever they sin in front of you? You know they're a brother or sister in Christ. Do you tell them you don't have to no longer be a slave to your sin that you're in right now because you have Jesus? You have Jesus. So repent and turn to him. You know, do we have that strength to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel like Paul did in, in 1.16? I am not ashamed of the gospel. We should not be ashamed of the free gift that we have been given. We should not, we should not be afraid to tell people that the wages of what you're doing, the wages of your sin is complete death, complete death, physically and spiritually. And for him and through him, life that he gives us and brings us, you may, you may have a life here, but the life there is so much longer and so much greater. You know, um, I thank y'all for doing this. It takes a lot to come up here and even, even do this podcast. And, um, I tell you, um, we just need to give people Jesus. We need to give them that eternal life. Let them know that there is somewhat a way out that you don't have to be lonely. You don't have to be by yourself. Um, we have to come along beside each other. We have to help people, people who are in need, people who are just down and cannot function. We have to give them that. We have to give them the life that only Jesus Christ can give us. Thank you all for joining us today. And, um, and be back with us for chapter seven next week. I also have two more that I have to put on there. So you'll have like three podcasts this week. Um, but I'm going to do them spread out through days and then we'll do chapter seven, um, next week. So, um, Landon, if you'll go ahead and pray us out, buddy. Oh, Lord, I've come to you and I'm just uh, thankful for the opportunity to be able to come and to read your word and that we still are able to live in a place, God, where we are able to come and to freely read your word and to tell people on this platform. God, I thank you for the platform that you have given us. Thank you for the courage of uh, Brother Damien and Lydia, Lord. I just uh, pray that you would help anyone who's listening, God, who is in you. I pray that you would give them that courage, Lord, to go and to tell this world that we live in about you, Jesus. And I pray for anyone listening who does not know you, Lord. I pray that you would just knock on that door to their heart, God, and that you would open them to your gospel. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.